0: Thanks to Audible for supporting Industry Focus. For a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com slash fool or text fool to 500 Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Tuesday, February 6th, and I'm your host, Vincent Shen. Late last year, I mentioned offhand that we dedicate at least a few episodes in 2018 Uh for this edition of Industry Focus, to looking at the travel and leisure sector. So that coverage begins today with two companies that should ring a bell for any fools who enjoy the open road and long road trips, Winnebago and Thor Industries, two leading manufacturers of recreational vehicles or RVs. So both companies in the industry overall, for that matter, have put up strong returns in the past year, outpacing the S&P 500, with a lot of consumers taking advantage of favorable financing and low gas prices. Joining me today via Skype to take a closer look at these RV companies is Senior Fool.com contributor Asit Sharma. Hey, Asit, welcome back to IF.
1: Hey, Vince. Thanks for having me back. It's been such a cold winter. I can't wait to talk about warmer weather, traveling in an RV. Sounds like a great topic for today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Before we get into the main part of our discussion, I want to take a minute and direct your attention to the Motley Fool's $10,000 College Student Award. For any students who are over the age of 18 and attending a U.S. college, the Molly Fool is sponsoring a contest to encourage and support the next generation of investors. To enter, write a 500 to 1,000 word article on one of the provided topics, and a group of fools here at HQ would choose the best write up and award the author $10,000 with an additional 20 runners up getting $1,000 each. So whether you're a student yourself or know someone who might be interested, pass the word along. The competition closes. April 30th, 2018, and we look forward to seeing your submissions. Terms and conditions apply. Please visit www.fool.com competition for more details. To start our RV discussion then, it's important to understand some of the broad industry dynamics and also the tailwinds that uh, companies in the space have been enjoying since the financial crisis. So Asa, can you walk us through some of these basics?
1: Sure. So um, looking at the Outdoor Industry Association. Uh, this is an association which um, tracks recreation. Uh, consumers have spent 887 billion in the last year on outdoor recreation. Um, that's actually an annualized figure, and this to me is extremely interesting. Given the economy has picked up, we see higher GDP growth. If you look at the U.S. economy, it's a 19 trillion dollar economy. So near A trillion dollars just on outdoor recreation is a big number. And sometimes we overlook companies that can benefit from these trends. The outdoor recreational industry employs about 7.6 million people, so it's a big employer. And um, we're going to talk about RV shipments today. So just recreational vehicle, throw a little bit of lingo at you. Um, These shipments have increased at a compounded annual growth rate of 10% since 2010.
0: Okay, so something else behind the RV industry that's important to know is also um, some of the tailwinds that I mentioned in terms of the, the demographics and the consumer confidence that we're seeing. But this is still ultimately a very cyclical business, and I'd like to speak that a little bit um, Total RV wholesale shipments, for example, in North America are the highest they've been in about 20 years with an estimated 480,000 units going out in 2017. But that volume will ebb and flow based on uh, a lot of factors. Some that I've mentioned, gas prices, strength of the economy, consumer confidence. Uh, There's also availability of financing. And now there's also an increasing number of retiring baby boomers. So for example, industry shipments fell 20% from 1999 to 2001, coinciding with the dot-com bubble burst, and they fell by over 50% from 2007 to 2009 during the worst of the financial crisis. But even then, there are uh, some different dynamics between uh, the product categories that fall within RVs and Those segments are something that's very universal to the industry that investors need to understand. So, Asa, can you talk about some of the key differences between the two major RV product offerings?
1: Sure. So, this industry is divided into two segments, motorized and towable. When I think RV, I've never owned one, I think of the big motorized vehicles, also known as motorhomes. And I think that's what most of our listeners are familiar with. Um, These are large vehicles often resting on a truck chassis, um, and they can range anywhere from $50,000 on up to close to a million dollars if you have the leisure and the resources to really deck out your um, RV and style. Mm -hmm. But the second part of the industry is also very interesting. This is the towable segment. So basically, you can hitch an RV to your vehicle and tow it. Now these vehicles are much cheaper. They average between 15,000 and 30,000 bucks. And they require less repair and maintenance than a motorized home. So two really opposite poles in this industry. Either you're all in for a very expensive vehicle, uh, which you can camp in. Obviously it's equipped for riding in as you get to your destination. The other pole is this very cheap offering that younger, um, people, which we'll talk about in a second, in terms of demographics, can afford. They, you can't ride on it on the way to your destination, but once you get there, it's your second home. So these are the two basic poles of the industry. There are some uh, types of vehicles that fall in between these. Uh, generally get shoved over to the motorized segment, uh, like van campers, if some of you are familiar with these smaller vehicles which are an extension of a typical van-type vehicle. But uh, overall, think motorized or towables, and this will become relevant to the rest of our conversation in talking about the economics of uh, this industry.
0: Yeah, and going back to the cyclicality, I'll mention that for this industry, even between these two categories, motorhomes versus towables, they see different um, effects from a downturn. So, for example... Motorhomes tend to see a harder hit. Uh, they fell 30% in the early 2000s and then 75% during the financial crisis. And this part of the market has actually yet to fully recover to its highs from about 15 years ago. And I'd attribute that uh, generally to the higher cost, but Tobol is a larger market in terms of unit volume. They fell 17% in that dot-com period compared. Uh, to the 20% across the industry, and then about 49% during their financial crisis. And they have since gone on to establish new highs in terms of industry volume. And uh, last ter- bit of backdrop piece um, I know you've wanted to speak to this, asset before we dive into this company specifically, is some of that demographic stuff. You know, I mentioned uh, the uh, increasing number of baby boomers going into retirement, uh, being interested in, require, in acquiring RVs uh, as part of their retirements. But there is also a younger uh, group of customers getting into the industry as well, or into these products as well, it seems.
1: Yeah, this was surprising to me. I've uh, written a couple of articles this year about this industry. And when I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s, you associated RVs with retirees, Mm -hmm. but the industry has really reinvented itself and it's marketing itself to younger and younger people. Um, The typical RV buyer today is a lot more ethnically diverse, younger than just even a few years ago. In a recent presentation by Thor Industries, who we'll talk about in a moment here, they point out that Latinos, Asians, African Americans, they comprise 39% of new campers in this industry. That's year 2016. Um, and Gen Xers and Millennials, if you just look at age groups, generations, comprised 72% of campers in 2016. So it's a whole new wave of potential RV buyers. And really briefly, what's so interesting to me is Vince talks about cyclicality of this industry. If you look at a, even a bigger cycle, it's the cycle of young buyers who are getting in today in these cheaper towable segment vehicles, and then aspirationally looking up maybe 10 20 30 years moving into the motorized segment as they acquire more wealth we'll see how that you know pans out over the long term but that's an interesting larger cycle within these uh, or or overarching these smaller cycles in this industry
0: yep so in uh, overall just keep in mind that there has been a pretty strong recovery since the financial crisis for this industry and the results for both companies that we're about to talk about uh, have been quite strong, uh, especially in 2017. Their stocks have been up. So the first one we're going to talk about is Winnebago. So their ticker is WGO. Stock was up over 75% last year, although it's given back some of those gains over the past two weeks. Um, the stock pays a small dividend, yields about 0.9%. But This is a 60-year-old company, um, and they're best known for their motorhomes. But the business has changed pretty significantly in the past two years under the new CEO, Michael Happ. So he brought with him a lot of new executives. And managers in a push to turn the business around. And uh, during the recent investor day that they had in November, um, they talked about the three strategic initiatives that he had to de- that he was asked to deliver on when he started with the company. And uh, they were one to restore the motorhome segment because Winnebago had been. Uh, losing lots of market share in that core space, and then two, to become a bigger player in towables because of the the strength and growth in that category, and then three, to create a vision for the company's long-term growth. So uh, as Asit mentioned, within towables and motorhomes, there's additional classes and styles, but in terms of broad investing purposes, you just need to understand that before 2016, Winnebago generated a large majority of its revenue, uh, about 90% from that motorized segment. And that splits now much more even. And the business diversified with the top line coming in at about 45% tobles, 55% motorized. Uh, and tobles already make up the majority of unit volume for the company uh, as they do tend to come in at the lower price points. Uh, and I think a big reason why the company has... Uh, has been picking up in terms of the the growth of its business and has done has been much stronger in terms of its stock and its general financials in 2017 was due to an acquisition that it closed in late 2016 for Grand Designs. Can you tell us a little bit about the story there, Asset?
1: Sure. So, Grand Designs RV was a competitor, a uh, smaller company. It was a total RV manufacturer and this goes back to Uh, the the goal that Michael Happ had of not just restoring this motorized segment but diversifying into what was fast growing. So they acquired, uh, Winnebago acquired this competitor in November of 2016 uh, for $500 million. And what's happened is in the most recent quarter, Vince alluded to the fact that overall in the industry, the motorized segment has yet to recover. The growth trends are positive at Winnebago. So the CEO is uh, gradually affecting that motorized recovery. But if if you look at this most recent fiscal quarter, which is their first fiscal quarter of 2018, Winnebago had a revenue increase of 84%. And most of that, or nearly all of it, was due to towables. So they have a big boost from acquiring, acquiring this competitor, uh, which gives them also a fresh new brand which they can exploit. The company has a pretty decent balance sheet, so they have some marketing dollars they can invest in targeting consumers. So, out of this uh, revenue jump, 84% total revenue quarter over quarter expansion, about 34 percentage points came from the acquisition of Grand Design's RV. But interestingly, the rest of it, 50 percentage points came from organic growth. So, you see how the company's native Winnebago brand is also doing very well in this towable segment. Again, looking over at the motorized side, negative 2.4% growth. So this was obviously a key acquisition for them. And in a moment when we talk about Thor Industries, they had actually a similar size acquisition also in 2016. So in this industry, the bigger players are looking to acquire revenue, especially where it's fast growing as in this towable segment.
0: Yeah, there's definitely been some ongoing consolidation in the space. And something else I want to point out for gr- the Grand Design acquisition, you know, this company uh was the smaller but fastest growing player in the industry prior to the deal and the company was founded in 2012 and by 2017 had already shipped its 40,000th unit. So pretty impressive and it was a pretty big purchase as you mentioned at 500 million dollars, but um the it gave Winnebago a brand and operational addition that was enjoying 80% compound annual growth since shipping its first unit in 2012-2013. So, really important, I think, to establishing that Tobol's business for the company. And Tobol's in general are generally uh, they're generally more profitable and they're also more popular again with consumers thanks to that greater flexibility, the lower cost, and th- that shift in the company's top line ha- has been pretty important. So, overall, trailing 12-month revenue for Winnebago came in at $1.75 billion, 70% year-over-year growth, again, thanks to the acquisition. Um, Hap began his tenure with some of those key initiatives to restore motorized, grow towables, establish a long-term roadmap. So we've seen the top line uh, really blow up with the grand design deal. The operating margins for the company are trending upwards as well as free cash flow. Um, So the company won't report for some time, but the most recent quarterly results for that first fiscal 2018 quarter have been really strong, definitely f- uh, keeping with the CEO's goals. And I'll just add here, rounding out our discussion of Winnebago, you know, the balance sheet of the company has typically been debt-free, but they took on over $250 million as part of that grand design deal and management, one of their goals to work towards reducing that debt load. Um, and this is not the only deal that the management team has in mind. They're still seeking out additional M&A opportunities, whether that gains them exposure to new markets or new products, or to increase their scale. Uh, the North American RV market is estimated at about 17 to 18 billion dollars, but there's related platforms and products that can add billions, essentially, to the company's target market. And in a short term, while they are reducing that debt. The company is still funding spending and investments in its production facilities. Uh, their operational footprint right now is in three states, in Oregon, Iowa, and Indiana. But they want to main- be able to uh, essentially feed and maintain that growth that Grand Design's enjoying, and as well as the bounce back for Winnebago's organic growth. And, uh last. Point here from me. Longer term, the company has announced goals of growing their unit market share right now from 3% or approximately 3% to over 10% by fiscal 2020. They want to grow their operating margin from about 8% to 10%. And they want to have 10% of their revenue to come from new businesses that Winnebago is not currently exposed to again by 2020. So, there's some of that long-term roadmap uh, that app was brought in to establish. Uh, I think he's done a pretty good job so far. Uh, in Tobles specifically Winnebago has about a five percent market share while it's two bigger competitors claim about 85 to 90 percent of the market. So there's a lot of work there still to do and uh, they seem to they don't shy away from that fact during the Investor Day presentation for example. Um, but they make an interesting point with the Winnebago name being so well-known, they're still only the number three player. And the analogy they use, it's like having a name as universal and popular and well-known as Kleenex, but being a distant third player in the industry in terms of tissues. Um, So last point then for this company before we move on is I want to talk about valuation. Given the broad industry growth and latest results, uh, Winnebago stock's pretty reasonably priced to me on. And what do you think? Yeah,
1: so Winnebago has... um right now a forward price to earnings ratio of about 14. So this is about three to four percentage points below the total manufacturing industry. And it's really about the same or maybe five percentage points below the S&P 500 forward valuation. Why the valuation of of these, despite their um, stock ascendance of companies in this industry, why they are so low relative to other manufacturing outfits is the profit margins are quite slim. And this is a risk for investors. In a given year, Winnebago will have net profit of 4 to 5%. And the way that it's growing earnings per share and making these huge leaps in net income is just through that top-line acceleration. So this is you can look at this as a glass half empty or a glass half full. If you are an optimist like I am, you can see that there's some value here. As the company maybe improves margins and expands its manufacturing footprint just a bit, invest in its own capacity, it probably can add a percentage or two points to its uh, profit margins. And that's good for long-term investors. Um, On the other hand, that should give you a little pause if the, the P.E. ratio is so low. My favorite example is the airline industry. That is a risky industry, also very cyclical. And right now, you can buy a good airline for nine times forward earnings. That doesn't mean you should necessarily leap in. For this industry, though, I think long-term, it is a positive investment. It's worth a little bit of risk in this valuation, and I think these valuations can grow, bottom line, for both Winnebago and Thor, who we will um, talk about here.
0: Yeah. And last point I'll add here is, management says that during the average downturn, uh, motorized will decline about 25%, while their towables category will fall about 15%. Um, and that is something that uh, that these management teams always keep in mind uh, in terms of the any downturns that might happen. And they keep their operations flexible so they can adjust their production and supply when that's necessary. I think management said that 80 to 90% of their cost of goods sold comes from labor materials, these variable costs that they can minimize when demand weakens. Um, so uh, after the break, we'll talk about the next company, Thor Industries, the RV industry leader. Thanks to Audible for supporting our podcast. For our audience, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. Just go to audible.com full or text full to 500-500 and browse their unmatched selection of audio content. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Millions of Audible members enjoy access to performances by entertainers, magazines, and amazing narrators. I recently started listening to When... By Daniel Pink. He was actually at Full HQ last month for our speaker series. And if you read a lot of business investing books that cover all the ins and outs of why something happened or who was responsible, WEN offers a refreshing take on why timing matters and how it can affect your productivity, your business, and major life decisions. I'm not quite finished with the book yet, but it's been a fantastic listen. And it can really change your mindset for the rest of 2018. And with Audible, you have access to speed control so you can listen faster or slower at whatever speed best suits you, and with Whisper Sync for Voice, you can even switch back and forth between reading and listening to an audiobook across many devices, including the Amazon Kindle and Echo, without ever losing your place or missing a word. Fools get a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial at audible.com/fool or text FOOL to 500-500. Again, that's audible.com/fool or text FOOL to 500-500. Okay, so our next company uh, is Thor Industries, ticker THO. This stock also saw a major rally in 2017 up about 50%. And though we're talking about the company second in our discussion, Thor is the undeniable leader in this industry with over 50% market share for towables and 40% market share for motorhomes. Azit, how much bigger of an operation is Thor, though, in terms of their revenue and some of these other financial uh, metrics? Thor sells about
1: 7.2 billion worth of products in a year. And that is, uh, you set that beside Winnebago's 1.5 billion dollars in annual sales. You see how much bigger they are. They have a market cap of close to seven billion dollars versus Winnebago's um, 1.4 billion market cap. So it's magnitudes larger than Winnebago, going back to that opportunity that Winnebago has with its great brand name to expand in the industry. It owns the the celebrated Airstream motorhome brand, and um, one of the ways that it's grown is through acquisition, which, again, I'll talk about in just a second here.
0: Yeah, so Thor's a little different also in its product lineup. Uh, Their towables are their biggest segment with about 71% of revenue, and motorhomes are growing their share from about 22% in 2015 to 27% in 2017. So, a bit of a uh, reverse situation uh, for this company compared to to Winnebago. Um, and they also are on a pretty similar earnings calendar as Winnebago. How did the most recent results for Thor come out? And, and how does that point to some of the changes in their business with that acquisition that you mentioned, and just uh, the the kind of state that the industry's in? The
1: uh, most recent quarter for Thor was knockout quarter. So, they increased their revenue by 31% uh, to $2.2 2 and their net income increased 63% to $128 million. The acquisition that I was referring to is a 2016, I think this was July 2016, acquisition of a company called Jayco. Um, so Jayco is interesting because, Vince, you talked about the diversity in uh, product that Winnebago wants to explore. And to me, Jaco brings all of this um, to... It's a manufacturer of recreational vehicles, but not just the motorized homes. They do um, conventional travel trailers. So, the Tobols we talked about, they also do pop up camping trailers. And for you people who own these, uh, they do fifth wheel travel trailers, not to get too specific here. But they've got a wide range of products. They're also based in the Midwest, they're based in Indiana. So, they uh, are close to you know, the nexus of Thor manufacturing. This is mm-hmm. a five hundred and seventy-six million dollar um acquisition, but it gives you an example of what both of these companies are doing. They want to buy diversity of revenue and they also want to buy insulation from a potential downturn. But this quarter that they just recorded shows you both through organic growth and acquisition that they are as as you said the outset of the show Vince they're riding a tailwind right now. I want to go back for a second just to talk about, as we've talked about on the show um, many times, the difference between discretionary spending and spending on staples. Right now, the economy is growing at between a 2 and 3% rate of the gross domestic product. And that's actually true globally now. And consumers are making the purchases uh, for recreation. We're on a gradual up curve of global GDP. We don't know if we'll have a recession. For those of you watching the market the last couple of days, maybe there's some signal there. But these kinds of numbers aren't going to last forever. It's the mission of Thor to sort of diversify for when that inevitably slows a bit.
0: Okay, so uh, last couple minutes here, overall, I'd say both Thor and Winnebago, um, they're, they're not the only companies in the outdoor recreation market that are trying to expand their base and their target markets and attach themselves to a greater part of that $800 billion plus industry, um, with RVs specifically only being about 17 to $18 billion of that. And you know both of these businesses are based primarily in the US, and Thor included some pretty eye-opening numbers in their latest uh, earnings presentation, you know, strong annual growth of 11% expected for the RV industry over the next five years. And also, 34% of RVs sold in 2016 were f- to first-time buyers, and 8 in 10 of the new buyers were under the age of 65. So again, there's some of the the tail- the tail demographic uh, tailwinds that they're enjoying. But I want to give you, Asit, uh, a little bit here to share any last thoughts that you had uh, for these companies, any final takeaways for listeners uh, before we close out.
1: Yes, certainly. If you're interested in Thor Industries in particular, um, one thing that really caught my eye earlier this year, when I was, or late last year as I was doing some analysis, is their backlog. Thor has an order backlog of $3.6 bucks. That's a 70% increase over the prior year, and it represents 50% of their annual revenue. The company that this brings to mind is, of course, Boeing. Boeing, the airplane manufacturer, has a huge backlog, and it's able to manage its own revenue by just producing a little faster. It it is a great position to be in. So, in a cyclical downturn, Thor itself has some uh, mechanical ability to pump up earnings just a bit by producing faster, and it's taking excess cash flow. Um, It's paying down debt rapidly. So, it paid down the Jayco acquisition, which was I think they used about $360 million worth of debt. they paid that down to about $80 million now. But they've also used their cash flow to increase their production capacity. They're looking ahead to that time where sales on the top line might slow, but they can still record great revenue for a quarter, again, by that uh, mechanism of throughput. So that's very, very interesting about this market leader. Though they're extremely big, uh, again, if you looked at Boeing's chart in the last year, Being big doesn't necessarily mean you can't grow at a pretty fast rate. So I think that this company has a lot of potential ahead, as does Winnebago. My final thought on both of these companies is that uh, they're pretty fairly valued and and can grow. There is some risk, uh, recessionary risk, cyclical risk in these. But if you've got a long-term horizon, a foolish time horizon, you should consider these for your portfolio. And I will see you out on the road listeners at some point in the
0: future. Thank you, Asset. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Fools, for tuning in. Austin Morgan is the producer for Industry Focus. People in the program may own companies in the show, and The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Fool on.